Let's do it. Let's do it. So good to be with you guys. It, I get to, it's just so fun to do this with you, Daniel. It's relaxing. There's so many things going on anytime you do something like this, and uh, I just love that and I'm freshly appreciative of that. Um, so here we are, Navigate Part 8. And uh, there's, there's a reality that is hard to adjust to. When you're engaging on a journey of transformation, it's like doing anything else in life. There's, there's a shock that hits your system. Things are just harder than they look. You know, I think it's funny in our modern life today how we order furniture and like I could put together a bed for my kids and come downstairs and be like, hey, I made your bed. <laughs> how weird would it be if I got online and recorded a video of myself and kept using that language? Like, I made your bed. I made your bed. Instead, you would correct me and say, no, 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 Chris, you just put together the bed. You put together the bed. And putting together the bed is hard enough. I was putting together a bed for one of my kids one time, and I had this bolt that I kept using to try to screw the headboard to the frame. And while I was screwing it in, when I would go to push it up against the wall, the bolt was sticking out yay far behind the headboard. So obviously, I've got to fix this. Me being a 21st century man, very handy, and resilient, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go to Lowe's. And I'm going to go to Lowe's and I'm going to find somebody, some equipped, skilled person that I can show this bolt to and say, here's what I'm doing. I'm putting this bolt in through the bed frame into the headboard. And as I put it in there, it's sticking out yay far. If I push it up against the wall, it's going to puncture the drywall. I either need you to help me find a bolt, you know, this tall or this long that I can put into the headboard, or I need you to saw this one off with, I don't know whether it was a whimsical look or a shaming, disdaining look, the man at Lowe's took the bolt and said, is this what you need? And flipped it over in my hand. Immediately upon recognizing this great, ingenious innovation, I went home full of pride and joy at all of my skills as I went to put the frame against the headboard and realized all I needed to do was flip the bolt. <laughs> and that longer part would rest in the frame just like it was supposed to. Guys, it would be a mess if I actually tried to make a bed. Like if I were trying to like make one of my kids' beds, like actually make it, it would be so much harder. Now, could I watch a YouTube video, buy a sawhorse, cut a few boards, and get 70% of the way there? and feel pretty good. But you know, and I know, if you've ever done anything requiring any kind of creativity, that last percentage is so much harder, right? I would be wrestling with it and trying to get that frame put together the best that I could. And our journey of transformation works just the same. If any of you are looking at what's happening in the world at large right now and wondering how are people going into such extremist thinking and so locked down and so not able to entertain different viewpoints and, and be open to change and growth and wisdom, it's because they started their growth journey, but in some ways, those last percentage points didn't finish for them. The lessons never stuck. The bed actually never got made. I don't know why from my own mind, uh, that I resonate with this so much. But in case you do, I'll tell you about it. There's a movie by, uh, or with Tom Cruise in it called Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat. And uh, the movie's really an insane story. 
I find it very engaging as a metaphor right now. I'm not going to give away the movie other than to tell you what you could gather from the previews. He has to live the same day every day until he beats the bad guy. Like Groundhog Day is this fun, oh, it's kind of boring, it's kind of weird, he's living the same day. In Edge of Tomorrow, he lives the same day dying. Uh, he doesn't just fall asleep and wake up. He dies until he beats the bad guy. And if I don't know what a metaphor for what 2020 feels like, <laughs> you know, that, that's just a great one. And, and for me, in my own life and in my transformation, and things I'm trying to attempt right now, it's going at it every day until the next obstacle is out of the way. Now, when we started our journey of change, we said we're going to imagine like we're in a car. And there's an antenna on the car that we pay attention to. And there's a windshield. And this windshield lets us know we're more than our thoughts and our feelings. And this antenna helps us recognize when we leave moments and we've tried to prove or hide. And then we said as we drive, we start to daydream. And we notice our desires and where we're drawn. And then we take these new turns. And then we memorialize these. We take a picture of the moment. And, and you know what? At that point, it kind of feels like your growth is pretty locked in. But it isn't. You find out someone else is in the car. And that someone else is a part of you, a part of you that can be transformed and changed. And then we said, as we notice someone's in the car, we reach up and touch the rearview mirror because there's an object that we can make meaning with. What happens today? Well, we touch that object, we get that meaning, and we get in the car, and we press the gas, and we feel like we're driving in quicksand. Something's wrong. We wonder, has it always been this way? I mean, I'm pressing the gas and I'm seeing the RPMs rev, but I'm not going as fast as I think that I should. See, as we put together our transformation, as we take this journey called Navigate, you are going to, in the finishing touches of creating continual momentum in your growth, come up against a lie and an aberration. And it is this. All you need is one big breakthrough. All you need is one big breakthrough. So you'll find a lot of self-help work hypes and pushes to, you just got to say no to anything that holds you back. You got to push hard for that breakthrough. We start to look at life like it's not edge of tomorrow, but more like Rocky. I don't know about you, but for me, it was in the 80s. I think Rocky IV was the movie that we rented the most as kids. If you could have bought it, you know, a video back then, you'd buy it for like 80 bucks or you'd rent it for way cheaper. My brother and I watched Rocky IV like 15 times. All the programming that happened around that movie, you know, Russia is the enemy. But how does he break through the, the setback or the challenge he faces? With an awesome montage, of course. Same thing with Karate Kid. In the 80s, we learned this. Any hardship you face, not in putting the bed together, but in actually making the bed, in changing your life, in embracing a new world that we're all living in, all you need is some good music, running on the beach, maybe Peter Cetera in the background for the, uh, for the Karate Kid version, and you'll get what you need. Yet that's not how change works. You're in the car, you're pressing the gas, you're moving, and you know, I, I should be going faster. Could I be going faster? Why am I not going faster? So you're in the car and you pull over. And as you pull over, you notice something. I want to give you the first action today for what it means to express. You've got to stop for your limitations. The first action that we take today in this journey of change that we're on to navigate, you've got to stop for your limitations. Now, I know right now that that sounds exactly the opposite of everything that you've been told. 
you know, we want to live in a world where we say, oh, no, no, Chris, you're taking me down. I can't listen to this because if I acknowledge and pay attention to my limitations, I'm going to be defined by them. I'm going to be held back by them. It makes me think of when the book The Secret came out because The Secret is all about if you just think it, it changes. And I'm not saying there's not some hint of some wisdom there. But if you just adopt that message and swallow it, there's something lacking. And Saturday Night Live knew this. They did a perfect spoof of it. Because at the time, as Oprah was a huge fan of the book, she uh, had sent the secret, the book, to Africa. And Saturday Night Live was there on scene asking people in this sketch, of course, it was the news people, asking about what was it like now that you got this book. And of course, they're starving for food in Africa and in this section they went to. And so in the clip, they said, read it, we ate it. <laughs> they needed food, they got sent a book, and it was a brilliant deconstruction of this idea that you can't just hype yourself past your limitations. Now, I know limitations suck. They just do. I love running, and I've had a nagging injury for a couple of years that I have just now been able to run the last few weeks regularly in a way that I haven't the last couple of years. Do you think a year ago, I'm like, hey, it's no big deal, I can't run. Do you think it feels good to tell your kids, no, I'm sorry, we can't? I can't tell you how many people I've coached in their 20s that are living with an intense vision of being as successful as they can be because they are terrified of the fear, they never articulate this, of ever having to say to their kids, no, we can't. And I'm telling you, if you never say no to your kids, they will be atrocious. I've seen it on both ends in working with people. But yet we're terrified of these limitations. We're so scared of them. We say, well, I got to have life without limits. I want you to understand this. Feeling limitations, that's how you know you're at the edge of your abilities. See, right now, everyone is finding their stress threshold in society as a whole, first world anyway. And really, for most people, they start getting uncomfortable and stressed when they're about, research has shown, 4% past the edge of their abilities. And when you feel like limitations are weighing you down, when you feel like quitting, when you're not able to move as fast as you want and you've got to pull the car over and stop and get out and go, what's going on and has it always been this way? That's the exact right action you need to take. I need you to stop for your limitations. I need you to notice them. I need you to pay attention to them. I need you to see them because this journey of personal growth is never done. You know, I have in my past have had failed business. I've talked to many people who have had failed businesses, but also too, the, a business never has to fail. You can just keep iterating, keep making changes. At some point, I just didn't want to keep making changes. I wanted to leave what I was in. With Sight Shift, it's completely different. I'm not going to quit. With Navigate, this journey, we're going to iterate to finish this. And if, if no one came, we'd still do it. And I'm so glad you're here. But it's going to continue. When you know within yourself, I'm never going to stop growing. I don't ever want to stop growing then you never have to be afraid of your limitations. Instead, you pull the car over and you stop for your limitations. Now, once you stop, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start walking around your car. And as you walk around your car, you're going to notice something. And I want to walk you through what you're going to notice. 
because if you notice this, it changes everything. I'm going to walk you through nine cars, and you are one of these cars more than another. And as you walk through these cars, you're going to start to see yourself. Now, when session three, we talked about the storylines that reveal themselves. I'm connecting these cars to your storyline. As you get out, you were hoping you would go faster. You're driving through quicksand and you start to walk around your car. Some of you are going to notice, first of all, you're just really an overloaded truck. You're an overloaded truck. You're full of all the things you're carrying for others. In fact, if you were to dial someone you care about on your phone and FaceTime them outside of the car, you would say, hey, look at all that is in my truck right now for you. And, and when you stop for your limitations, a shift gets to happen. You look at all the stuff you're carrying for others and you get to go, I don't want to be overwhelmed with all I'm carrying for others. I want to actually choose what goes in here. I want to choose what I carry for others rather than just reflexively carrying it. This is when you move in the insecurity of your ego from neediness to love. Some of you are an overloaded Jeep. You pull over and you're moving slow because you're overwhelmed with all this adventure gear. See, here's the thing. When we talked last session a month ago about the changing of the metaphor, I've never been in a coaching conversation with someone ever, 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 and them not connect feeling overwhelmed to having some weight on them in regards to some responsibility. And that weight is the limitation that slows down your car. And listen, it's always been there. You just didn't have the awareness to feel it. It was there in sessions one through seven as we talked about the car. You just weren't ready to notice it. You weren't ready to see it. But this is the next step. And when you look at your Jeep and it's overloaded with all this adventure gear and you start cleaning it out, you get to make room for a lot of introspective tools. Then you're not looking for external stimulation. You know how to internally activate, which is what real joy is. You don't have to have the external adventure. You have it internally. Maybe some of you, as you walk around, you're the overloaded minivan. You say, hey, look at all the people I can take with me. Look at how I belong versus look at who I have space for. This is the difference between chasing acceptance and giving belonging. Some of you are the overloaded sedan. You're like, hey, look at my sensible choice. I make good choices. But you've got unattempted dreams in the trunk of your car. There's no space to try anything new. And when you take the further actions I'm going to give you in today's talk, you'll move from the imposter syndrome to patience with yourself and risking new things. Some of you are the overloaded sports car. You're like, look at how fast my car can go. But your engine is about to give out from pushing so hard. Versus when you stop for your limitations, you get to say, look at how fast I can go when I take care of the engine. Because I take care of myself. I'm kind to myself. Some of you are like that deceiving, sketchy sedan. It can't go fast. And it's not because of weight. You know, it's, it's because if you press the gas too hard, it's going to fall apart. When I was in college, I was driving back uh, on a country road and I was driving back from a friend's house. This was in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. We hit this raccoon, giant freaking raccoon. It was the size of a buffalo. Felt that way anyway. We hit this raccoon, slammed into the bumper. And at the time, it was like a newer Honda sedan broke and cracked the bumper. 
I had to take a metal, you know, hanger wire and bind up the bumper to the frame because that was the only way we were going to be able to drive with it. And we all know what it's like when you've seen that car driving down the road and you're like, that thing, mm, it's a little sketch. Well, if that's what's got you weighing down, I want you to understand it's not about cleaning up the paint. The steel frame underneath that car is unstoppable. There's just some of the pieces around it. The faked goodness of what that car looks like. It's the hidden, crippling self-sabotage. Self-sabotaging thoughts that hold you back, that slow you down. And when that car shifts its weight, when it stops for its limitations and it shifts its weight, it actually becomes a source of strength for others. It's passionate about making a reforming difference in the world. Some of you are like the overloaded military hummer. You're like, look at how much I can control and how safe I made myself with these triple bulletproof panels. But when this limitation shifts for you, instead what happens is you say, hey, look at how I can get over any terrain to come and help rescue you. It's not about how protected you are from threats externally. It's about the internal strength you have so that you can be there for others. It's the safety you give them. Some of you are the overloaded SUV. You're like, look at my rugged exterior and all my weapons in the car. When the weight shifts, look at how I can protect people. I move from violence to vulnerability. Some of you are like an overloaded VW van. Look at all the kaleidoscope of colors on this. There is no vehicle like this. All the unique experiences of my life are represented in this van. When it shifts, then you go, hey, look at how I energize others. You move from distraction to a determination. You marshal your willpower, your energy for the good of others. Now, there's, there's a lot of different ways we could talk about this as an analogy, but I want you to think about it. As you stop for your limitations and you walk around the car, what do you see? And when that shift happens, when you go, oh, I don't have to be defined by this limitation. I'm transformed by it. How? Number two, it's this. Start again without taxation. So you stop for your limitation, but you start again without taxation. What do I mean? In golf, they have a saying, you're two shots away from losing your mind. <laughs> you, you feel good. You're hitting those shots and you have a bad one. And then you have a bad one. You know what that's like, right? How many of you have started your day out and you're feeling that flow and then something throws you off and then you look up and it's three hours later and you're like, what has even happened to become of this day? Hey, some of you know the story that I've told you. In 2007, I'm sitting on a deck of a dream house that we're living in and it was amazing. And I thought, this is all the good feeling I get from this. I thought this would feel better. And some of you know the story in 2008, how we faced an eviction notice because I went from top to bottom guess what? You don't know what happened in 2015. You know why you don't? Because I hadn't been able to talk about it up to this point. It was too painful because the best stories don't go in the books or the podcasts. Listen to this. This is crazy. In 2015, I launched out into doing the work that I do full time. I had a couple of weeks operating expenses from selling one of our cars. No kidding. A, a friend, some of us know, Ryan Magata, freaking picked me up and would drop me off in the short north, I had two bags, my gym bag with my stinky wet clothes in them and my work bag. And I'm literally like 
walking to different businesses in the short north. And, and that's like how it all started. Well, one of the things that gave me confidence was that, hey, my family is secure from a housing standpoint because we had that whole eviction thing and then we were on this lease to own ownership program. January 2015, I launch out on this work full time. February 2015, the housing company emails us. Here's what they say. We've gone bankrupt. You have eight weeks to get out. What the heck are you talking about? We've got all this money that's been invested in this house. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars, deck, fence, window, everything. You think you're going to go to court and win that battle? They're going bankrupt. There's nothing going to be there. That fast, that fast, everything changed. This morning, somebody had sent me this. I read Beethoven's will that he wrote before he fully lost his hearing and created his greatest works. The pain that he created out of. Amazing. I've had people tell me, hey, when I read your books, there's like something more there. There's some more pain there. It's like you can't talk about it. But there's no way you got this just from those stories. Those are people who've been through deep brokenness. And what I want you to understand is, if you can start again without taxation, you can understand this. Every weight that burdens you also expands you. So you stop again for your limitations so you can look at what kind of car you are and appreciate. You've been carrying something for everyone else as the truck. When you shift how you relate to the weight, you start again without taxation. What do I mean? I mean your burdens. Your overwhelmed feelings made you, you. They're part of your experience. Is anybody here today that's tired? That's overwhelmed? <laughs> that's got so much going on? That feels the mental bandwidth that they're experiencing crushing them? Look, the weight of, of these challenges block the expression of who you are. But when you change how you relate to it, you understand, hey, you know what? My past regrets are trying to tax me. My future fears are trying to tax me. But when I capture the vision that all of these challenges expand me, they stretch me, they make me me, I don't have to pay taxes on my unique experiences anymore. I reap dividends from them. Too many people have allowed their past or their present or their past uh, or their present fears to place a lean on their future. And I'm telling you, when you fully know yourself as the car that you are and accept all your limitations and you start again without being taxed by them, <laughs> the most beautiful thing happens. You go out to your mailbox and start collecting checks. You go to your inbox and start getting payment notifications. In other words, what I mean is the uniqueness of who you are doesn't tax you. It pays dividends to you. I mean, what would it be like if we could hang out a little bit and I could ask you this question? What do you like about being you? Where has your unique weights and sufferings and challenges expanded what it means to be you? Because if you can do that, if you can stop your limitations and start again without taxation, then third, you can do this. Ooh, this is where it gets exciting. You can flow with explorations. What do I mean? You get back into the car and you press the gas and you move. I can't say enough of what it feels like to be able to express all of your being into your doing. 
whether it's me building a tree fort as a kid or the conversation I had with Daniel yesterday, building a coaching program or an experimental podcast I'm going to be launching next month. I love feeling like I have put all that I am into what I do. And I can't say enough about it, but I can define it. I want to define flow for you very quickly. Flow as a state, as a being, a place that we can live. See, we said last session, if we get unblocked, what happens? Then this session we get to express. What does expression look like? It's flow. Now, flow has been defined academically as a state where a part of your brain actually starts to shut down in a good way. Uh, a part of your brain actually stops holding you back. Uh, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex stops being the directing inner critic to your life. How can you get there? How can you get to a place that there's no hesitation and there's no false moves? Let's talk about it. F for flow. Fear fades to the background. Fear fades to the background. What do I mean? What kind of fear? It's the fear we've been talking about through this whole journey. It's the ego fear. I don't know if you remember Chris Farley as a comedian, but I like to compare here Chris Farley and Will Ferrell. Both of them would take their shirts off for a comedic sketch, and both of them were hilarious. When Will Ferrell takes his shirt off, here's the feeling. Watching him perform, this man has no ego that he's trying to protect. He will stand up and have his Speedo American flag pants on, propping his leg up on a table. Chris Farley takes his shirt off, and here's the feeling I get. Hey, am I funny enough that all of you like me? Now, I want to be very gentle and sensitive there because I think it's terrible if we try to judge someone's motive, and I never want to pretend to judge someone's motive. I'm just telling you a feeling I get. They're both funny, but they're doing it from different places. One is doing it from a place where the fear has faded to the background. The other one is doing it from a place of, do you like me? And I'm telling you that almost everyone is focused in transforming or performing on trying to be more confident or more creative. And they try to focus on getting their confidence back or creating the right conditions for their creativity. Those are the external result of the internal shift that happens when your fear fades to the background. Your brain starts to get into automatic problem solving. Your right brain gets one second ahead of your left brain. You're in a flow state and the inner critic is not holding you back. L, there's a loss of time. So fear fades to the background. L, there's a loss of time. In the movie Inception, it was a really profound statement when Leo, the main character, looked at the memory that he had of his wife when he was multi-dreams deep down in his consciousness, and he, he referred to his wife, her name was Maul, he said, I know she's not real because I couldn't create her imperfections in my memories. In other words, how he remembered his wife was without the flaws and imperfections. It was a 2D picture, not a 3D picture. See, here's what happens. For all of us, we are more than our memories. We are more than our memories. You could lose your memories and you would still exist. We are more than our future hopes and dreams. Time is but one dimension. Einstein taught us this. Time is the fourth dimension. 
And when you understand that you're more than your hopes and your dreams, your thoughts and your ideas and your feelings, hey, you're more than the weights that have slowed your car down up to this point. Then you get to start to play with time. See, flow isn't just a state that you're in when you're a Red Bull cliff diver. Flow isn't just a state when you create something at work and you lose track of time. Flow is when there's a loss of time. Sometimes it speeds up, sometimes it slows down. Flow is contemplative practice where our imagination takes us on a wild journey. Flow is embracing nothingness and needing no stimulation and being able to meditate. Flow is writing, it's creating, it's speaking, it's conversation, it's living, it's calendaring, it's building a spreadsheet. It's everything you do where you can speed up or slow down time and start to play with it. Time is but a construct. It's only right now Wednesday because somewhere along the course of human history, somebody labeled this Wednesday. It's only the certain time it is because Romans devised hours and then monks devised minutes. And what is more important than time is energy. Fear fades to the background. There's a loss of time scarcity. And now I move more with energy. Oh, an overflow of practice. What happens is in flow, I'm not trying to be present. Because the more that I train my mind and my body, because flow is not mind over body, it's mind with body. The more you do everything we've talked about in this, in this journey called navigate, letting your right brain get ahead of your left brain, what it means to meditate and to contemplate, everything we've discussed is mind training. And when you go on this path of mind training, guess what you get to do? You get to stop just settling for mindfulness. See, here's what I'm sad about right now in our culture. Our culture has bought into this lie that says mindfulness is growth. And then you're done. You're mindful, awesome. Here's the problem with that. How many of you have felt stressed or overwhelmed? You've done a little mindfulness and feel better. That's great. What mindfulness does, mindfulness reduces all the stimuli. It's like you're at this forest and there's all of these trees and there's animals and there's a stream, and there's noises, and you shut everything out except one singular branch that you focus on. That's mindfulness, that's awesome. When you learn to practice what we're talking about today with flow, you actually take the next step of growth to a mindset upgrade. You don't shut down and reduce the stimuli, you open up and absorb all the stimuli. This is why people right now in surfing, in mountain climbing, in a number of competitive sports are literally breaking records at an exponential rate. I mean, it took four days to go up that mountain pass before and they're doing it in 12 hours. Why? Because we are better than ever before at giving ourselves over to this flow state where there's an overflow of practice so that the brain can absorb all this data. It sees the stream, it sees the, it's the football player that the quarterback was throwing it that way and the cornerback or the safety ran that way and they asked him afterward, how did you know to go over there to intercept it? He said, I just knew. His brain absorbed all that data, but he wasn't conscious that he was absorbing it all. And he saw the quarterback's ankle turn just a little bit. And so he ran the other direction, even though the quarterback was faking that way. That's the overflow of practice. I am telling you this, I have worked obsessively on this in a fun way, like it's a playground for years. If you put me into any meeting that you're a part of, I'll see a hundred things more than what most people in the room are seeing. And it will feel like I'm ahead of time. It's not that I'm ahead of time. It's just that from the overflow of practice, time has slowed down. See, the problem, and this is why most people have never touched 
even, I mean, most people haven't gone be, below journey one in Navigate, step one, laying down their expectations. Most people haven't done that. Very few people. We're talking about 1% of the population are getting to the kind of state that I'm describing right now. But when you lay down those expectations and you understand, I've only gotten 70 to 80% of the way through making this bed. I'm not putting together something from Ikea. I'm making this piece by piece. It's going to take some practice. And then I'm going to get to the W. We and me. We and me. See, there are plenty of people that are into flow states and are still dangerous humans. There are plenty of executives that get into a flow state in their work but still build destructive economic forces. There have been political leaders that find flow state in the building and architecting of their ideologies and yet still murder millions of people. Flow hasn't finished its work until we get to the W, which is the we and the me. I understand that I am a unique human with an individual identity, and I am a part of the human race. It's where the traditions of the East and the West come together. I'm not just on a journey of individual development, nor am I on a journey of saying all of myself is some illusory composite and that all that matters is the we. No, it is both the we and the me. I stand in the electric middle of both of these ideas, one foot in each and for the beginner leaders, they focus on effort. For pro leaders, they focus on effectiveness. But master leaders that lead themselves, they focus on full expression. And that's what a continual flow state will bring you. Now here's the good news. Guess what? You're going to lose flow. We all do. We all do. What do we do when we lose flow? We don't try to reattach to the past. We don't try to worship it like some kind of state that we've got to stay in all the time. No one stays in that state. That's not the point. Wise teachers have said every moment contains enlightenment and blindness. When I talk to somebody who thinks they're enlightened, they just don't know their blindness today. We continue to do what? What's our third action? Take new explorations. As we flow with explorations, we're unblocked to fully express ourselves, and we're not afraid of our stress, stress becomes our competitive edge to grow. And then we're not like one of my favorite songs by Pearl Jam called Nothing Man. And I want to imagine with you that we get in the car, we press the gas, and now you're really going. It's not like you're in quicksand. You're actually moving because you've shifted how you relate to your weight. And in the lyrics, Eddie Vedder sings in that song, caught a bolt of lightning, cursed the day he let it go. In a flow state, you'll catch that bolt of lightning. You'll be relaxed. An inspiration will hit. You get out of the shower. That idea is there. Let's not be the people who live those bolts of lightning unlived. Hey, thank you so much for your engagement. I know we went a little bit longer today, and I appreciate um, your understanding on that. I wanted to uh, read a section of a story to you from something, but I think we'll do that in the interview with Brett because I kind of got into that and was so in flow, lost my plan. <laughs>